Morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. Um, had a fun time last night um, preaching, and uh, just an enjoyable time in God. I'm expecting the same and even more today, you know, because with God, when we bring forth his word, we can expect more each time. And so um, just expecting that this morning. And like Pastor Dan said, just uh, finishing up the, the series uh, this morning about the Bible and I just wanted to share um, about how the, the sword of the Spirit makes it possible to have vision and dreams. And because with the sword of the Spirit, it is, it is a tool and a gift from God that enables us to dream those big dreams. You know, in America, um, there's a saying or a mantra that we have about America. It's the American dream, right? And Americans like to dream big. But right now, our, that is under attack. And with God, though, God wants us to have the focus to be on him. God's dream for America. God's dream for this nation. God's dream for the people on this planet and how they are loved. And so in order to dream big in God and to have that vision, we have to be skilled in his word. And so the reason why we need to be skilled in his word is because the enemy will go to a great extent to shut that down. He wants us to dream small. He wants us to think small. He wants us to operate in a minimal way. And he has his ways that he tries to do that. And we're going to get into that this morning. But... I just want to share something about recently in our lives about the story of our remodel project. And it's been quite the journey. journey. And um, it started actually clear back around Christmas time. Um, we went to Jim and Michelle Wolf's house, and they had just remodeled their kitchen. And it's, it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful kitchen. And my wife and I are like, you know, we started working on our house about 11 years ago when we got it. And we kind of stopped because we, there were some foundation issues that we had to address first to continue on. And um, we're just, we felt inspired to um, and dream of that kitchen and just some remodel stuff on the house that we needed to get done. And so uh, we had some money saved up. And then we also, the interest rates were real low. And we got a really good deal on the house that we had. You know, we only, we paid a really low price. And we had built up some really good equity in it. So we refinanced our current loan, got the payment down, um, and got some money out as well to go towards the remodel. And so just as we are signing for the, that money, we sign the paperwork, the whole COVID thing hits. I had fear enter my heart. I was just like, what are we doing? <laughs> should, I, should I take this money and... Um, pay off some debts instead, you know, should I, should we forego the, the dream of our kitchen and this remodel, should we set that aside, and I was just, you know, my wife and I were talking about it, and we were just, but we just really felt in the spirit, you know what, let's go ahead and do it, God's going to take care of us, let's go ahead and do it, and so at first it was great, you know, the People were readily available because things had been shut down. Uh, supplies were 
you know, all there. Nobody was using them. But 30 days goes by and everybody's sitting at home and they're like, oh, I got a bunch of stuff that needs to be done around my house. And so they start hiring everybody. They start buying up supplies. But the thing is, supplies weren't being replenished. And so things became short in short supply and harder to get. And so we were having trouble getting things at first. And I was getting frustrated to buy it. And, but now that I look back, I'm like, you know what? Every single time that we needed something, God supplied it. Yeah. Every single time. We ordered our flooring. They said, won't be here for 68 weeks. It was there in four or five days. Yeah. I was like... They're like, they don't, we don't know where it even came from. It showed up on the truck. That was what the guy said. And he was just like, you guys can come pick up your flooring. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and so we weren't expecting it for 68 weeks, you know, but it was just, that's how God uh, worked. But I was just taking on during that whole time, the whole stress of the situation. And then also at work, we're doing a, a system upgrade. And then here we are doing an upgrade to our systems for the online streaming and all that stuff and we had just purchased a new computer here and I was here on a Saturday night and I was working on that computer and I was just feeling super stressed by the whole situation I was partnering with the stress and anxiety and the fear of the situation that was going on and I got to the point that I got so stressed I had knots in my back and they got to the point in my neck that my arm that night went completely numb from the stress and I got real fearful I called my wife I was just like what is going on and I she talked me through it and I just felt um, I needed to focus on what God is saying and I got but she also recommended to call my doctor so I called the doctor and um, he recommended some massage therapy deep tissue massage therapy with some chiropractic care and so I was thinking that would happen right away. That didn't actually happen until like five or six weeks later. And, um, but we did get to go on vacation and Melissa and I were really blessed by um, New Song's contribution towards our vacation time. That was amazing, thank you guys so much. And, but even during vacation, one of our kids had an emergency situation happen. Their appendix, um, they had to have their appendix removed. And here we're out of town, we can't get home, and we're on our anniversary trip, and this is all going on. And we're, luckily my parents were able to step in and be there for our child and um, all that stuff, and, and that all worked out fine. And then right at the end, Right at the end, it sounds like a country song here. Uh, right at the end of our vacation, we go to a meeting here with Pastor Dan after service for leaders. And he's talking about how God can take a bad situation, and even though it's bad, he can turn it for the good. And so he's talking about that, and I was just like thinking about everything that happened. And Melissa and I were getting ready to leave after church to go pick up a blessing that had happened. We had been wanting this new furniture for our house, and it had been like $2,000. And then we felt that we needed to go check on it again, and it was on sale for 1000 bucks. Well, we go up to the register to buy it, and the lady's like, you know what? I think there's a coupon on this. 
She scans it and it brings it down to 850 bucks. And so we got this beautiful sectional piece of furniture for 850 bucks. And it's a blessing. And so Melissa and I, we, we're getting the, we need to borrow the church trailer to pick it up and we're getting that all set up and we're getting ready to leave the meeting here after church. Mark had left and headed out to home first. He calls us and he says, you guys need to get home right away. He says, one of the faucets in the new kitchen has sheared off and the kitchen is flooded. And I'm like, what is going on here? And immediately, all the stress returns. My back is stressed out, the knots in my back, and I'm partnering with that fear. I'm almost literally in tears on the way home because I'm just like, you know, this the money we've invested in this, the dream that we have, now it's, it's going to be ruined. We're going to have to start all over, contact the insurance and all that kind of stuff. Mark got the water turned off, and we're in there, and we're taking all the towels, and then we ran out of towels, and we we're using the blankets in the house and the sheets, and we're soaking up the water. We got a hold of our general contractor, which is Chris, that goes to our church, and he was there within 30 minutes and uh, helped us get the floor, the new flooring that we had up, and we got fans going and everything, and miraculously, by the same day, by the evening, Everything was completely dry. There wasn't one ounce of damage. Complete protection. But in the moment, I partnered with fear and became fearful and not relied on what God has taught me in his word. And so that brings me to Joshua 9, verses 1 through 2. And it says... And it came to pass when all the kings who were on the side of Jordan in the hills and in the lowlands and in all the coasts of the great sea towards Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites heard about it, and they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel on one accord. So here we see the enemy getting together. They're gathering together because... You know, they've, they've come at Joshua individually, and they've seen what has happened in uh, Jericho, right? Because they had just taken out Jericho. And so they're all gathering together to come against Israel because this is a ploy of the enemy that he does all the time. He, he gets everything together to make it look bigger so that you think that you cannot fight this battle. It feels overwhelming. And each one of these ites are a different stronghold here. And sometimes the devil gets these forces together and we're just like, man, what am I supposed to do? This is coming against me. And so it, it feels mightier than what I have available to me. And why is, why is this happening? And sometimes we blame God. We even say, God, what are you doing? And I was even in this situation going, okay, uh, Melissa and I really felt that, you know, this is a dream that we've had. God's going to bless us with it, you know. And I was setting aside, I was setting aside all of the blessing that God had already done through the whole process. All that evidence, all that, that um, confirmation, I set it aside and partnered in the moment with the fear that the enemy was bringing in that situation. 
And that, the reason why the enemy tries to get us to partner with him is because he knows that the faith through God's word connects me with God and allows me to see what's going on. It allows and reveals to us our ability and our authority we have through his word that he has given us. And that's why the enemy wants to come against us and cause us to think smaller because he doesn't want us to connect to the faith level of God. Proverbs 29:18 says, where there is no vision, what? My people perish. So it's time to get in the word and begin to dream again. Dream those God dreams. You know, what the enemy tries to do is to shut down your dreamer. And he does this by bringing these spirits against us. So when we're going into this situation by faith, we need to believe I'm going to see the victory and partner with God and seeing what he's seeing in that. And how do we get there? By spending time in his word and spending time in his presence. Paul in Ephesians 6.17 defines the sword of the spirit as the word of God. And this isn't the only place that it's defined as the word of God. In Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces and it what? It gives us discernment in situations. And it allows us to dream in those situations. And see what God is dreaming about. See what God wants to impart there. What God wants to deliver in that situation. And it's even sharper to a sword that back in Paul's time is referenced. It's sharper than the Roman sword. And the Roman sword, just as a descriptor, was known as the gladius. It's up here on the screen. And in the hands of a skilled man, it was a fearsome weapon. In fact, it became known as a sword that conquered the world. It was sharpened on both sides, making it lethal against an unarmed foe. The point was sharpened to such a point that it could just pierce right in through the armor. Usually the gladius was about 20 to 30 inches long. It wasn't like what you see in the armor of God um, pictures, um, you know, of a medieval type sword, those big type swords. This was just like I said, 20 to 30 inches long. And it was a light sword. It only weighed about two pounds. And the short design was designed so that it was easily to be wielded in a close battle. So when they drew in close, they were able to easily take out their enemy. And it was light, and they could operate it quickly. And an infantry uh, man in the Roman legion would also go into battle with spears and knives and everything, but his main weapon of offense listed by Paul was this gladius sword and the sword of the poor uh, the sword of the spirit is a weapon but it's there to help defend us it's not there to 
um, take the person out. It's there to take out what the enemy is doing over that person, over the society, over the situation. That's what the sword of the spirit is. Too many times we take the sword of the spirit and we beat someone up over the head over it. We're not there to injure the person. We're there to love the person, to release God's love and, and what God wants to release into that situation, to bring freedom into that person's life. But it's important to know the word of God, to know what God is saying. And Jesus demonstrates how valuable this is to be grounded in the word of God. And he demonstrates this in the wilderness when Satan comes to Jesus. In Matthew 4, 1 through 3, Satan tries to use Jesus' physical hunger. And he what? He asks him, uh, why don't you uh, demonstrate who you are and, you know, turn these uh, rocks into loaves of bread. And he does this because he wants him to feel that he has to prove who he is. We, in God, we don't have to prove who we are. He already has said, if you study the word, he has already said who you are in him. Why do you have to prove it to the enemy? A lot of times that's because of we enter into a fleshly nature. Well, that, don't you know who I am? No, you don't have to do that. God says already who you are and believe what his word said. And, and Jesus knew who he was and he said to him, um, and he quotes the, the scriptures, um, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Believe what God says in his word about you and who you are. And then again, Satan comes to Jesus and he misquotes a scripture. And this is why it's important to know the scripture and to know the word. Because sometimes people will misquote things or out of text or out of context and we need to know what it's actually saying in that context. And so in Psalms 91.11, Satan misquotes that. And the reason why he misquotes it is because he's trying to gain control of the atmosphere and the environment. He's trying to get Jesus to relinquish his authority and what he has. And again, Jesus sees right through this tactic and answers Satan, It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And that was in verse 7 of Matthew 4. And then Satan again for the third time comes to Jesus and he offers him what? A false reward. It seems greater than what God wants to do maybe. But um, it's false because it's not his to offer, right? What did he offer him? He says, if you worship me, I will give you the kingdoms of the world and their glory. What is that representing? He's saying to Jesus, you can have all of this. You can have all of this. And a lot of times the enemy will try to trick us or to try to get us to partner with him and say, look, I'll give you all this. You just have to do this. And now, that's not what we need to do. Uh, Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only, and you shall serve. Because those kingdoms of the world, everything is created by God. Everything is his already. He owns it all. 
You know, he's the creator. Satan had no place to offer that to Jesus. And so it was a false reward. And in each case, Jesus skillfully used his knowledge of the word to defend against the attacks of the enemy. And we cannot use the sword of the Spirit unless we are skillfully trained in his word. The Roman soldiers could not be sent into battle without having extensive training in the use of the gladius. They were first trained with shields and made of wicker and swords made of wood. And they usually made these items twice as heavy as the actual sword and shield. And why did they do that? Because they felt that if they would use these heavier items, the, the individual would be more skilled and quicker in the use of the sword by comp- for when they went to use the real one. I found this with my son in, in baseball, not with swords, with, with bats. You know, when there was a really good pitcher and he could throw a fast pitch ball and everybody was way behind on the ball. Have you ever seen batters, they'll put the weight on the bat as they're warming up? Well, there are a lot of times, or they'll use multiple bats at the same time and swing with those multiple bats and before they go up to the plate. Well, the main reason is when they get to the plate and they go down to the singular bat, they don't have to choke up as far, but that bat now feels lighter. Their swing is quicker. And that's when we spend time in God's word and we are skillful in his word, our responses to what the enemy can do can be immediate because we know his word. We know what he says and we're able to respond to what's going on right then. We don't have to go Google it. What did God say there? No, you should know God's word to be able to speak at that moment. You know, I'm just as guilty. I've had times and people have come to me and they're like, I'm like, well, let me study it out. You know what? Wouldn't it be so much better if I was able to respond right that moment because I knew God's word inside and out and I partnered with his Holy Spirit to release the sword of the spirit in that situation? Whatever that person's going through, whatever they're dealing with, I'm able to re- release the sword of the spirit to help them in that battle, to release the rhema word to that situation that they're going through. That's why it's important to be skillful in the word of God. As Christians, we must train and be skillful in the sword of the spirit. And in the author of Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. When you are eating the meat of the word and you no longer are babe, when you're a babe, you're relying a lot of times on what other people are doing for you and you're just getting milk. 
You're not getting revelation, you're just getting milk. But when you start to get the meat of the word, the substance of the word, there is revelation released in that. And when you have that revelation released in God's word, what does it say? You can discern both good and evil. In these situations that's going on in our nation, you should be able to right now discern what the enemy is doing there and to release the sword of the spirit and do the battle at your workplace if there's fear going on you should be able to release the word of God and discern the spirit of fear that's going on there and how to battle that with the word of God because you have the discernment you have the meat of the word you have the revelation to release to those around you back to Joshua 9 all the ites I got to go through these quickly. Um, we have the Hivites in verses 3 through 9. What were the Hivites? The Hivites are a spirit of deception. Uh, the, the spirit of deception, they are sent to deceive you. Um, they want you to rely on your own ability and not God's. And they try to get you to enter into an unholy alliance because that's what they did to Joshua. They came and they, they did deception. They're like, we came from a far land. And they dressed like they had traveled from afar. They didn't. They were deceiving them. And they, Joshua entered into an unholy alliance, which what then? Prevented him from doing what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to take them out. But he couldn't. He couldn't touch them now. So he had to do something else. He made them wood carvers and you know and that's that was their punishment but he couldn't touch them otherwise because he had entered into that alliance just like in my situation I had started to enter into that deception not seeing what God has one already done through the whole situation I began to partner with the spirit of fear and deception of trying to steal the blessing one that flood thing happened the day after and we're going to pick up our blessing you know of that that couch that we received and the enemy tries with this flood to take away my that joy I mean it was we were excited you know wow this is such a blessing things are really coming together and then BAM we're hit with the flood of the kitchen and it was hard not to partner with that fear and that deception of what was going on and to and just allow God to be in control, like Pastor Dan had said in the meeting, that God will, will take it to good. He takes all things to good. There's the Jebusites. What do Jebusites do? They trample down. You see this in um, Numbers 9, verses 32 and 33. What happens here? The, the spies are returning from the land, from you know the promised land. And what do they do? They partner with that Jebusite spirit and they bring forth an evil report of the land and that the the inhabitants were great in stature and were giants and we were in our own sight what grasshoppers and so we were we in their sight so what happens when a person sees that they're small then they think small they don't think how God thinks God thinks big God thinks big all the time. And they also dream small. You know what? God is a big dreamer. 
Look at creation. Brenda was even mentioning it this morning. If you just look at creation, that comes from God dreaming, and that's God's imagination. He brought this forth. He thought it out in his mind, and he brought it forth. He spoke it forth. And that same creative ability in him is in you through the sword of the Spirit, knowing who he is. You can release that healing power. You can release creative ability. You can release invention where there's something that needs to happen. As far as even the, the COVID-19 vaccine, we could declare uh, supernatural intervention as far as even a vaccine or a cure or a treatment. We can pray that in. We can bring that in because through God's word, we have that creative ability to release that. We also have the parasites. And they were, what did the parasites do? They make people weak and unable to walk. Then you have the, the Hitt, Hittites, and they bring forth the spirit of one who is broken, who operates in fear. Then you have the Amorites. They bring forth bitterness, rebellion, and babbling talk. So people that just speak nonsense. Right now, it's just like, where's common sense gone? People are speaking nonsense. And what does nonsense bring? It brings fear and confusion. It also produces rebellion because people are like, this is crazy. And they go crazy and they act on it and they do crazy things, you know? And so, and they do nonsense stuff and they buy into it. And you got the Canaanites. They are, they bring forth the spirit of low and depressed. Right now in our society, there's a huge amount of people that are depressed. Suicide rates are up. Why? Because they're partnering with this spirit of the Canaanites to be low and depressed. These, ear, these evil spirits that we've been talking about, they're designed to make you think small. They're designed to stop you from dreaming God dreams. They're designed to cause you to pull back from the battle. They're designed to have you enter into uh, unholy uh, relationships. But when you spend time with God, you discover who you are in him, what he's imparting to you, and it allows you to dream God dreams. It allows you to see what God's seeing in the situation. It allows you to look around at his creation and what he's doing in your situation and in those around you and what he wants to release. In Psalms 119, 101 through 104, notice the psalmist's attitude. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Though, though, your, though your precepts I get under, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. This is the attitude and the approach to God's word that makes a skilled warrior. The psalmist shows us an attitude of what a good swordsman needs to hate evil and love God's word and to continue to desire an understanding and obey his word. The rest of the story, real quick, because i got to finish up, is the chiropractic appointment suddenly came. 
And so, and the massage therapy. And so I went to my first one and that deep tissue massage therapist, he could take his elbow right to these certain pressure points and hit them right on the mark. And he would push in and it would hurt. It would hurt. And then he would pull away and I could feel the knot release. And, you know, and he kept doing that and massage and they he massaged it out. Then they, the, then the chiropractor person come in and they aligned my back. And that's what the word of God does. It hits those points where we need to be hit to release healing or change in that area. And also then he, the word of God aligns us to the thinking of God's way in that situation. And you know what? After that, they tell, you know what they tell me? They say, now go home and drink lots of water. Why do they tell you that? Because there's these toxins that are being released. And likewise, we are to be washed in the word. We are to be washed in the word. And as the sword of the spirit is dealing with those, those situations, be washed in the word. Allow that toxicity and whatever you've partnered with the enemy to be washed away in God's presence. And do not partner with the ites of the enemy. Let's be victorious in God. Let's, let's partner with God. Let's be skilled at the sword of the spirit and know where to apply God's word and where he's showing us to and not partner in fear with the ites of the enemy. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for your word that you've released to us, Lord Jesus. Lord, uh, release to us an impartation and a revelation through your word, Lord, of how to address these situations that are going on in our lives, the people around us lives, Lord, and our society, Lord Jesus. Lord, just help us to dream big in you, Lord Jesus, and to stand on your word, Lord Jesus, and release the rhema word that is needed for those around us and for us ourselves, Lord Jesus. We just thank you for that, Lord, in your name. Amen. You guys be blessed today. Thank you for uh, taking the time to be here. And those of you at home, thank you for joining us. You have a blessed day, and we'll see you guys next time.